Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. So what do you do when you want to travel the world, photograph it, capture video of it, and write about it when you don't even own a camera? That's the story of Eric Giuliani, and we're going to share it with you in this episode of Beyond the Rut. In just a moment, Eric's going to join me with Brandon as we ask him about how he came to that decision point to leave his corporate job that was high paying and somewhat secure to travel the world without using a single airplane. How did he prepare for that? When did he finally get that camera? How did he learn to use it? And... What was it like being six foot nine, traveling the world on buses, railroads, and cargo ships? So stay with us and let's hear about how Eric Giuliani is pursuing his dream and making his own path. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 52 of Beyond the Rut. I am here, still Jerry, and I still have with me Brandon Cunningham, the host of the show. Brandon, how are you doing? Pretty good. Thanks for not getting rid of me. I know. I, well, I try, but apparently not enough people are signing the uh, the petition on petition.org. <laughs> petition.org. That's always good to know. Hey, it, it almost worked for uh, Jody Mayberry as he tried to get Jared Easley's show from him. Uh, in any case... Besides me picking on you, we've got a, a wonderful guest on right now. He's traveling back in the United States. His name is Eric Giuliani, and you're looking at me like you thought I forgot his name. No, <laughs> I, I did not forget his name. Uh, Eric Giuliani, he's from the website TravelTall.com, and this guy is traveling the world without using airplanes or jets. Awesome. Yes, and uh, <laughs> so, Eric, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's really an honor to be on. I appreciate it. I think it's so cool that when we caught up with you, you're in Phoenix, Arizona, right? I am, yes. Uh, <laughs> it's a little warm. It's, a, it's about 115 degrees out, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> that is awesome. As Forrest Gump would say, it's whole, it's whole another country. <laughs> now, I like to always ask our guests a little icebreaker, so we'll those of us who are listening right now get to know you a little bit more and of course just getting to know your stories enough however I, i'd like to have fun with this so if sure. you and brandon are ready here we go let's do it since you travel obviously this is a travel themed question <laughs> so we're in the future we have the ability to travel to any planet and visit any planet in our solar system without getting crushed or vaporized or anything like that. So we've got the technology. We can visit any planet, any moon we want. Which one would you go visit first and why? <laughs> oh, what a question. What an icebreaker. Uh, I would say Jupiter, I guess. I would probably pick Jupiter, um, and I don't know if I have a specific reason. I think that's one of the largest planets, so uh, because I'm a tall guy, I'm six nine. <laughs> maybe that would give me the most room to kind of spread out and, and not be crammed <laughs> in the back of buses and trains and things like that, so uh, I'll go with Jupiter. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. You, you could be the leader of Jupiter. You know, if you get there first at six nine, you could just claim it. I, I own this right, planet. I'll claim now. it. Sure, <laughs> sounds good. That's funny. I always wanted to just go to the moon. I want to see the flag and you know, kind of hang out at the moon and see Earth. I just figured that'd be fun. Go see it before some That'd other be a good tourist. View. Yeah, 
before all the tourists get there and we build something there and mess it up. <laughs> Throw trash know. all over the place and kick the flag over. No! Exactly. It's well, a national monument. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Well, Eric, thanks for joining us. Uh, this is just, just, been really fun over the last uh, week or so getting to know you through uh, your YouTube channel and your website and Twitter and just uh, finding out about you. Our, our great friend Sarah McDaniel suggested that we hook up and I could not be more thrilled by her telling me that because your story has just been phenomenal. I've, I've shared it with our student group. I've shared it with friends. I'm just like, you got to watch these videos. This is unbelievable. <laughs> And and you can go find out all of that on TravelTall.com, but we'll have that in the show notes, and, and we'll definitely talk about that later on. But uh, right now, you're in the United States, so how did you get, or where did you come from to get here? Well, that's a long story, and I appreciate you guys checking out my website and the YouTube channel over the past couple of days. I really do appreciate that and all of the nice comments and things. Um, but basically, where I started was in Cape Town, South Africa, just about two years ago. And I crossed all of Africa using only public buses. So basically, any of the local buses, anything that you could imagine stuffing about a 100 people into, uh, I've been in and crammed into those little buses in Africa. And that took about eight months or seven or eight months to get from Cape Town to Cairo. And yeah. I went basically up through the east side of Africa. Um, so I kind of did Sudan, Ethiopia, Kenya, Mozambique, and Malawi, and, and some of those countries. Um, and as I was going, I was kind of stopping, and I wasn't in a race, of course, so that's why it took eight months. So once I got to Cairo, I kind of just assumed that I would be able to go by boat from somewhere in Egypt, like Alexandria, which is a port, to somewhere in Europe. And what happened was, is once I got to Egypt, I found out that basically all ferries, all cruise ships, all cargo ships, anything that allows for passengers was basically canceled because there were some terrorist issues. <laughs> and so it was really affecting tourism. So I kind of ran out of real estate. There was no way to keep going. Um, so ultimately, I kind of had to go with plan B, which was to kind of cut through the Middle East, and I went through Jordan and Israel, wow, uh, and then once I got to Israel, I actually got a cargo ship from there to Europe, and wow. it's kind of a long story, but to make the long story short is then I basically went through all of Europe, and then I ended up getting to Moscow, where I took the Trans-Siberian Railroad, kind of a famous <laughs> railroad. I made the mistake of doing it in winter on a second-class <laughs> ticket. I was going to so say, you've got to go check out the video on the uh, the Trans-Siberian Railroad. That is That is not the most glamorous railroad in the world. Yeah, it sounds really romantic and people that love to travel. It's one of those things that's kind of on our bucket list. But um, I'll be honest with you, it was the longest seven days of my life. I was in a cabin um, and it was about negative 20 degrees outside and I didn't really have working heat. So I was sleeping with like five blankets every night. It was a really, really rough part of my journey like travel-wise and also kind of personally. But also it ended up be, being one of those really like great kind of you learn a lot about yourself type moments as well. Right. I um, love that story because you're six, nine traveling on all these buses and little <laughs> cabs and being stuffed into little places. And yet on a railroad on the trans Siberian mm -hmm. railroad, which most people would say, well, that's supposed to be fine. 
that was your worst experience just because of the quality of it. You would think so, exactly. You would think that would be kind of the best part. Um, And it's funny you say that because I, I, the the buses in most countries in Africa, they don't leave at a set time. They only (laughs) leave when they're full. And when I say full, I literally mean every (laughs) inch of space is full. I've actually had like a woman sit on my lap before. Um, I've had live chickens under my feet. (laughs) I've had dead chickens in the seat next to me. Um, It's funny. We pulled over. I wouldn't even call it a rest stop. uh, But in Mozambique, the guy sitting next to me bought a bow and arrow through the window because somebody (laughs) on the side of the street was selling bow and arrows. So it's like, and you're crammed in with bow and arrows. And uh, there was actually, I'll be honest with you, there was two kitchen sinks on the boat. So literally everything, including the kitchen (laughs) sink, I sat next to. I love that. So if you run into Eric, don't ever start your story with, man, I had this one travel experience. No, I've got one better than you. Don't even start there. I think what's so great about your story is, you know, it, it sounds like, I know to the people listening, they're like, well, wow, he's some sort of world traveler and he probably grew up that way and his parents took him all over the world. Tell us a little bit about kind of where you grew up and and what caused you to decide that you were ready to start traveling the world because you you and if you look at the YouTube channel and the website you're going to find out that Eric was totally unprepared to do this. But what led you from your childhood up to the point where you decided to travel the world? Yeah, sure. That's a, it's an interesting question. I grew up in a really small town in Pennsylvania called Coopersburg, Pennsylvania. And there wasn't a whole lot of diversity and a whole lot of culture in that small town, although it was a great place to grow up. Um, so as soon as I finished uh, graduate school, I moved to Hawaii and just wanted to kind of live a different lifestyle and kind of see what a you know, get as far away as possible, but still be in the still be in the United States. Um, so I had kind of traveled around after uh, I finished college, and basically what happened then is I decided to take a job, kind of based on my major, which was education. So I was working as an educational consultant for a pretty good educational software company, but the problem was is they actually gave us a script. To memorize. And so what I was doing was, is I was going around to all the schools that were kind of in my project management area, and I would have to kind of recite the script to every school. And you kind of get confused because, you know, it's a pretty good paying job. You've got kind of a nice apartment and you've got kind of nice things and a car and all that. So it was really easy to get distracted at first. And so I didn't realize that I didn't like my job. It actually took a while. (laughs) I know that probably sounds. I I think a lot of people hearing that totally identify with it. That's kind of what Beyond the Red is. It's like you're comfortable. When you're comfortable, that's dangerous. It's very dangerous. And what was happening was is that when somebody would ask me if I liked my job, I would say all of the things that I liked and I realized like I liked that I got to work from home some days. I liked that I got, you know, summers off because it was in education. I liked that I got paid, you know, gas mileage for every school that I drove to. (laughs) I liked that I had a corporate company card. And what I realized was is like none of those things are the actual act of doing the job. You know what I mean? Like I (laughs) just didn't know. Like do I like standing up and reading, not reading, but memorizing a script and reciting it? No, I actually hated that. But I didn't even know it because I was so convinced that I liked all these other things, which were Mm -hmm. kind of the perks, but that's not the real job. Right. And sometimes that's the case where you're like, well, we, you know, my, one of my uh, boys worked at uh, Outback Steakhouse and he's like, but we get free food. 
Like, but the job is horrible, but you get free food, so you're like, I'm okay with it. (laughs) That is exactly it. That is the perfect, perfect analogy, and I was okay with it. And then it really got to be where it was just everything. And if you guys ever watch episode one on my website, it was really like everything started to be black and white. And there was really no color and creativity in my life. And so that's when I really made the decision. I was like, okay. Everything in life is a choice, right? So let me figure out what is it that I really want to do with my life. And so I really thought about it, and I basically took a three-month leave of absence, and I spent all the money that I had, and I went around to all the places that I'd ever wanted to travel to. I went to India. I went to Indonesia. I went to Thailand. I went to Europe, uh, to Peru, and I spent all of my money in three months. (laughs) And when I got back from my leave of absence, I was like, oh, my gosh, there is no way I can ever go back to that stale, (laughs) scripted job because I've just really seen the kind of the world explode into color. And how do I now get back to that, right? Right. And and that's not an easy thing to do. (laughs) It wasn't an easy thing. We had somebody on a a while back, Jamie, uh, that described it as like checking yourself back into prison. You know, it's like I've been yeah. let out, but I'm going to voluntarily go back in and shut the door. Yeah. Is yeah. Just, and you, okay. you, it was really difficult. And it's funny because I took a three month leave of absence from my, from the company that I was working with. And right when I got back, they actually said, Oh, you know what? We're not going to honor the leave of absence. And I was thinking, Oh, no. Oh, I was actually thinking, well, I was thinking, Oh, no. And oh, yes. Because I was thinking, Oh, yes. Because. Oh, thank God, because I could never go back there anyway, because <laughs> it's just like, how could you do it? And then, of course, there's the, oh, no, which is, okay, I now am, I literally have just spent all my money, and I have no job, and now it's, oh, no. But for whatever reason, I was really at peace with that decision, and I was really happy with it. And I think people were worried, especially my mom and my dad, they were like, well, what are you going to do for money? And I was like, I, it's, I just had this feeling, you know, after you go around the world, and you fly to all these incredible places, you really, it gave me a totally different perspective on life. And I was like, it's just going to work out. I just have this really good feeling. And so that's when I came up with the idea to start, you know, traveltall.com. The problem was I didn't know how to build a website. (laughs) And the other big problems were is I wanted to not just travel around the world without using airplanes, but I wanted to be as creative as humanly possible because my job was so routine and so boring. (laughs) I was like, I have something in me now that needs to get out. And so I came up with the idea that I, I didn't just want to travel, but I wanted to write, I wanted to film, and I wanted to photograph it all. And so here's the other problem. I didn't even own a camera. I didn't know (laughs) the first thing about photography. I didn't know the first thing about filming, and I've documented this on my website. I didn't know the first thing about writing, and I was actually a really bad English student growing up in school, and I basically passed English with D's and C's my entire life. I love that, and And, and real quick, I want to catch catch people up with a little perspective here. How old are you at this point? When I came back from that around-the-world journey, I was about 30... I was 32 years old. So 32. So how long had you done kind of the corporate gig of just memorizing and reciting? So that was about four years to five years of the corporate memorizing and reciting. Because I'm thinking a lot of our audience is thinking, but yeah, I've got that job. I've got the car. I've got the card. I've got the expense account. and, And I'm safe. I've got medical insurance. Everything's good. And you want me to quit and just go live my life. And 
And I think the, the real crutch to the story is, yeah, you're only here for a few years, you know, 70, 80, 90 years. Go live it. Go do something cool with it. And, and you are about 32 years old and you decide, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to die like this. I don't want to live to be 40, 50 years old doing this job anymore. That is so true. But I think the biggest thing is like people don't know and myself included at the time, right? People don't know what their dream is. They don't know what they're passionate about. I think we do when we're kids, but I think it kind of get, gets lost along the way as we kind of grow up and go through adulthood and get bills and degrees and diplomas and all of that kind of thing. Yeah, we get and talked I think what happens. Yeah, I think what happens is people don't really know and recognize what their dream is and what their passion is. And I love what Elizabeth Gilbert said because she's the writer of Eat, Pray, Love. And, you know, that's what my my initial trip around the world was basically her advice, which was I followed my curiosity because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew that it wasn't (laughs) memorizing this script, right? So I flew everywhere, spent all my money, and she said, and and I actually did this, I only heard this quote after I got back, so I kind of did this subconsciously, but she said, you know, follow your curiosity if you want to find your passion, because ultimately, even if you don't figure out what your passion is, you will have lived a life doing things you're curious about and things you're interested in, which is still an incredible way to spend your time here. Luckily for me, I did follow my curiosity and it opened up all these doors within me, which then led me to my passion. But had I not taken the risk to just kind of go and travel and just to figure it out as I was on the fly, I wouldn't have ever figured out what my actual passion was, which is what I'm doing now. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into Capshow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. One thing about Eric that really impressed me. So Eric shared with us that he wants to be a writer, he wants to be a videographer, he wants to be a photographer, didn't even own a camera. Now, Eric, my understanding is that you went and took a class on photography without yep. even owning a camera. Can you tell us how that experience was on the first day of class? Yeah, it's so funny because when I decided I wanted to change my life, like I said, I didn't know how to do any of these things and I didn't have a job. And so I gave myself one year to learn as much as I physically, humanly possible to learn about cameras, photography, and all of that stuff. But it's funny because if you go to buy a camera and you don't know anything about cameras, <laughs> it is like the most confusing thing you've ever done, right? It's like you're, you're spe- somebody speaking Chinese to you. And so I went to buy a camera and I was like, I don't even know what camera to buy. Yeah. And so I ended up going to this photography class without a camera because I was so so scared to waste my money and buy the wrong the wrong one. So I showed up to uh, to this photography class with an iPhone, and everybody had these really nice two, three thousand dollar cameras. I love that. And I was just sitting in there, and you know, and, and to this day, I always I always talk about this, but it was like I really decided in that moment 
that like this is going to work, that I'm going to be the one in this room that that becomes the photographer. And that's no disrespect to those other people, but it was just in me. Like I, I can't really explain it, but I had just decided, and it was as simple as that. Like I had just decided like this is going to work even though I don't own a camera. And as we'll get to a little bit later, you know, I think it is working to some extent. And I did eventually buy a camera, but it was funny. I went through the entire six week course without a camera. And then I actually (laughs) went through the, uh, they had like a a level two course that I went through also without the camera. And luckily I became friends with the teacher and then he was able to kind of coach me and, and help me find and buy the right camera and the right lens, which ultimately it worked out to my advantage. <laughs> I love that. Cause when I was watching that video and, and, and hearing that, I was just thinking, uh, my daughter who's 15 now, but about two years ago decided to play the guitar. And I went to a guitar center, a major store. And, uh-huh. and I said, I need a guitar. And of course, you know, they have like 10,000 guitars and what kind, <laughs> I have no idea. I know nothing yeah. about instruments yep. or music or anything. <laughs> that is just, I love the fact that you said, I don't know everything. I don't really know anything, but I'm so driven and I, I know this is in me. I can't mm-hmm. not do it. And I think a lot you know, of our listeners think that, are thinking that it's like, how did you get to that point? It's like, well, I just couldn't sleep. I couldn't, couldn't work anymore. I got to do what, you know, is inside of me. Yeah. And it got to that point, like where I have to do this, but it also too is one of those things where you can either look at all the obstacles, right? Like I don't own a camera. I don't know what I'm doing. But then if you look at it the other way, like look at all the room there is for growth. And I think that's what ha- what has happened to me since I was in that class. Like the growth that I've gone through as a photographer is like leaps and bounds and miles and miles of, of growth just as a photographer, not, I mean, obviously as a person as well. But if you think of how quickly and how much room there is to grow, you know, kind of my trick is to not use any excuses, right? And that's what's really been my calling card this whole time is to turn every excuse into an affirmation, which is not easy to do, right? (laughs) Because anytime I tell somebody what I'm doing, oh, I'm traveling around the world without using airplanes, they will tell me, and it's really funny because it's human nature, they will tell me all the reasons why they can't do it. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, that's that's amazing because I didn't ask you why you can't do it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you're telling me, yeah. and this probably isn't even their dream anyway, right. nobody else probably wants to do exactly what I'm doing, right. but I would never look at things from that perspective. Basically, that's my point, is I just wouldn't think of all the reasons why I can't do this. Sure, there's a bunch, and sure, we can talk about them now, but I don't ever dwell on them, and I really try to turn all of those excuses into affirmations, and I definitely mention that in some of the episodes that are on my website, so um, I would love for people to check them out if they get a chance. That's really important too for, for people that are listening to realize not everybody has your dream. Not everybody wants to travel mm-hmm. the world without effort. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I love my wife to death, but one of the things about her is she has no desire whatsoever to, uh, you know, camp. Camping to her is, right. is the equivalent of being homeless. So, I you feel know, your just, pain, man. Yeah, I feel your pain. Makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. And I think for people listening, it's like you've got to realize there are about 99% of the people don't have your dream. So that's okay for you to be yeah. different and say, well, I'm this way I'm doing it. Well, that's stupid. You should not do that. You know, Eric, we it's 2016. You can fly anywhere in the world, right? You can fly to other planets now. It's like, no, yeah. and, that's and not what honest, I want to like, do. That's, 
that's how I came up with my dream. Like I said to myself, okay, if there's anything I could do in the world, what would it be? And I honestly, I'm not sure if any other human being is doing this right now. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure there's people traveling over land, but I'm not using someone as a model. Like I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's someone else traveling across all, you know, all the continents, all the oceans, Overland, but that's also writing about it and filming it and, you know, taking pictures in the same way. I could be wrong, but the point is, is that I really just said, okay, what is my dream? I'm not going to model it after somebody else's dream. I'm right. just going to be as authentic to myself as I can. And this is what it looks like. And so once I knew what it looked like, then I really turned that dream into goals because it can be so overwhelming with not owning a camera, right. being a bad writer. How <laughs> do I figure out what those goals are and then really break them down into a to-do list. And then I just took that year where I gave myself a year to learn as much as I could. I took that year to go through that to-do list and I turned my whole living room wall into a big giant vision board slash to-do list. And I literally checked off, buy a camera, <laughs> get up every morning at six o'clock and practice with the camera, um, you know, and go to travel writing classes, uh, read as much as you can. And I would write the books there. And every time that I finished the book, I would cross it off the to-do list, which was in my living room. So I really made my whole year, which it ended up taking two years to learn as much as I could about all of these things and building a website and managing and maintaining a website and building social media channels and trying to build a following. And all of those things started with literally the first thing on the checklist was open up an Instagram account open up a Twitter account, open up a, you know, buy a domain name, you know, and yeah. it's like you have to start with the very most basic things and then you can work your way up that checklist. And ultimately those checklists kind of funnel you towards your goals. And then that overarching dream is always there. I love that because so many people are hearing this and going, well, wait a minute, how do I even get to, you know, Mozambique? You know, I don't even know where it is, much less how to get yeah. there. And what you're saying is basically create the big dream, that's great, but then start to break it down into baby steps. Yes. It's kind of like, how do you that's eat an elephant? One bite at a time. I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Rut. This is just part one of his story. If you want to hear more about Eric and what he's doing and where he's going from here, join us next week on episode 53 as we continue our interview with Eric Giuliani. You can find the show notes for this episode, the link to Eric's website at beyondtherut.com slash 052. The best way you could support our show right now, especially if you love the content you just heard today, is to share us with a friend, a family member, that neighbor across the street, but also go to iTunes and subscribe to our show. And we ask that you leave a review. Tell folks what you think about our show. The more reviews we get, the more people are going to be willing to listen to us for the first time and share us with the people they know and trust. Also, we'd love to hear from you. You can shoot an email over to beyondtherut at gmail.com. Let us know how you're doing. Let us know what your biggest challenge or rut is right now, and we'd love to do an episode just for you. So thank you much for joining us, and we'll catch you on the next episode.
I just want to take a moment to thank our friend Sean, who texted Brandon recently and said, Hey, I just listened to episode 49. Y'all sound really good. Nice work. Much more conversational and staying in topic has improved a lot. So with that said, from Brandon and I, thanks Sean. We've actually been working on just that, stay on topic and make this show sound much more conversational. Keep listening, keep sharing us with your friends and family, and again, we can't thank you enough. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Capshow team today and join me inside that community.